The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, well, this may be a little bit of a stretch, but I like it. Measure twice, cut once. Anybody who's ever worked with a carpenter or read about this, it's known as the carpenter's rule. Why am I talking about this? Let's stick with the keyword measure and let me get started. As a small business owner embracing the digital economy, and that's who our audience is, and we're talking to you, the SMEs, the startups, the people with a gleam of a business in your eye or in your mind, that's who we're talking to. As a small business owner embracing today's digital economy, you are aware, sidebar, if you're not, you should be by now, that customers are increasingly researching and making their purchase decisions online before they even email you before they call you, before they set foot in your store if you still have a brick-and-mortar site. That's right. They're out there online looking, looking, looking. And, of course, we know if you're a smart business owner, you have a digital strategy. And if it's a good one, it includes an attractive, easy-to-navigate website. Sidebar, if not, you better start creating it tonight. And what is so special about that website? Well, it's got relevant information, what they're looking for, and it's got informative content. What do you need to do with that website? Convince your visitors to buy from you instead of from your competition. And we know today it's global. Your competition could be anywhere, down the block, up the street, three states over, or anywhere around the world. And they might not even know they're your competition until they start to grab market share. And then you'll say, whoops, what are they doing there? This is all good. So we've established you probably and hopefully have a digital strategy, a great website. You've embraced the digital economy. But wait a minute. You got to measure this. There's my keyword measure. If your online success is defined as reaching and connecting with the right consumers at the right place at the right time while meeting your business objectives and meeting your goals, how do you measure it? How do you know you did it right? The answer? website analytics. And that what that's what we're going to be talking about today. I have three experts in the field. Very interesting panel today. Let me just tell you who they are and then I'll start introducing them. First up, we will be speaking with Dror Orabak. He's the COO at Illumiti, I-L-L-U-M-I-T-I. You can look that up and read all about them, but I'll ask him to tell us a little bit about his company. Joining him is a panelist who was on, I believe, the first show of this new series, Dave Oxer, consultant and IT industry channel expert, welcoming him back. And of course, the sponsor of this series, SAP's own Lorraine Maurice. She's a senior director 
Director, Global Indirect Channel Marketing, and she calls herself a modern marketer. And my keyword, by the way, is in her quote, which we'll hear in a moment. So let me circle back to Dora Orbach and Dora sent us a quote from John F. Kennedy, who those of you, everybody must remember, was born in 1917 and lived until that fateful day, November 22nd, 1963. And some of us did. We're alive then and remember it as much as we remember 9-11. Just one of those things. Uh, just a little bit of uh, trivia here for those of you. I won't read his whole thing about it. He was the 35th president of the U.S. from January 61 until his assassination that day in November 63. In September 1936, JFK enrolled at Harvard College, where he produced the year's annual Freshman Smoker, which was an event called called by a reviewer an elaborate entertainment which included in its cast outstanding personalities of radio, screen, and sports world. He also tried out for football, golf, and swimming teams and earned a spot on the varsity swim team. A little bit of background about him. Here's the quote Roy has selected. Change is the law of life, and those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future. Roy Orbach, how are you today? I'm very well. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for joining us. Love the quote. We've heard it before. It just rings true because change is what we're dealing with every minute of every day in the digital world. So, Dora, I'd love to hear you relate this quote to our topic today. We're talking about SMEs, website analytics. How do you know you're doing the right thing? So talk to me. Okay. Uh, First of all, I think it's not only in business. It's true to all aspects of life. Uh, Change happens all the time. And in business, often it happens through innovation uh, which, which could be technology innovation or other innovations in process. In the case of marketing or website analytics, we always learn more. This is a relatively new thing in the history of business, and we, we're learning more all the time about how people use the web, and their actual way that they do use it changes with the years as well. So we always need to look at what those changes are and what their actions on a website actually mean. Uh, how do they reflect their intent? Um, so... Yeah, that's, uh, that's why I chose this quote, uh, and I see myself often as a catalyst for change. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what I need to do in my company as things change and our business needs to make changes as well to continue to succeed. Uh, maybe one last thing I wanted to say about yeah. this is another quote, and that's a quote from George Shaheen, the former managing partner of Anderson Consulting. Today, that's Accenture. Uh, when I was part of that organization and I attended the uh, annual partner meeting, we were 4,000 people in Orlando. And he stood up in front of these 4,000 people and said that as a hugely successful organization, which they were, you know, growing more than 20% per annum for 20 years, um, we must have the courage to change while we're ahead. And I think that's very powerful. It is very powerful. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you mentioned it. And, and Dora, I think we can say that. As we're speaking here and we're speaking to SMEs around the world with this series, Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, that change is the order of the day and change has to be a constant that they embrace, they understand, they try to accept the best they can because it's not going to be the same tomorrow as it is today, right now and yesterday. And and that is what I believe JFK was trying to say. It is even more important to take that attitude now than it was when he said it years ago. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think it's yeah. uh, it's more important now because the pace of change is even faster than it used to be. Absolutely. And I, on uh, our earlier show today, I hosted a show called Future of Business with Game Changers, and we were talking about designing innovation. 
You can't just sit around and say, okay, it's going to happen. There's design thinking involved. There's team play involved. There's corporate culture, company culture, all change management. Everybody has to embrace it, fail fast, fail off, and we know all of this stuff. But thinking about change, I lost my train. I got so involved. And we were to- oh, I coined the phrase, Droid, and see if you like this. I coined the phrase in my opening comments that we are in a phase of perpetual acceleration. That's the speed of change, perpetual acceleration. Do you like that? I do like it, but I do have a caveat to that. Sure, um, go ahead. <laughs> there's only, you know, technologies can perpetually accelerate and, you know, uh, technology and, and the computing power increases or doubles every 18 months and so on. Uh, even that's reached a bit of a, a break point or slowing down. But I think the pace of change is also determined by the human capacity to change. So, you know, people can only change at a certain pace. And eventually, we can't, you know, there are certain things. We're not going to be able to change faster than that. So some of the themes that I've experienced as part of my work uh, 15 or 20 years ago are still the same themes. They have different embodiments. Not all of those changes that were even enabled by technology then were accepted by society. Thank you very much. And I'm going to give one caveat to that before I bring on Dave Oxer, our second panelist. The caveat is, I think today we know that, and we've heard this on many of our Game Changers shows, Dora, that we have, I'll say, at least five different demographic cohorts or generations working side by side in the workforce. And some of them are, they're just embracing change, they're creating change, they're propelling change all the time. And there may be others who cannot change as fast. So I would say the speed of change is related to who is in a position to make that change and who has to catch up. And that could be a business with competition around the world. It could be an industry. It could be new players coming in industry. I'm going to rest my case because we, you and I could just go on and on in this conversation. Drawer, pleasure to have you on, and I really appreciate your insights. So let's turn to Dave Oxer. I'm going to spell his last name in case anybody wants to Google him. It's O-C-H-S-E-R. Oxer, think O-X-S-E-R. O-C-H-S-E-R. He's a consultant and IT industry channel expert. And Dave has picked a quote from George Burns. Oh, my goodness. George Burns. Let me do a little background here, Dave. George Burns was born Nathan Birnbaum in 1896, and he made it to 100, 100 in almost two months. He was an American comedian actor, singer, writer. He was the ninth of 12 children born to Louis Lippe, Birnbaum, L-I-P-P-E was his father's nickname, and Dora Niebluth Birnbaum, Jewish immigrants to the U.S. from Kolbashau, Galicia. And he was one of the few entertainers whose career successfully, talk about change drawer, he was one of the few entertainers whose career successfully spanned vaudeville, radio, film and TV. And anybody who's too young to remember George Burns, he always had that cigar in his mouth and he raised one eyebrow and those were his trademarks for over three quarters of a century. And he was in the age of 79. He was in the film, The Sunshine Boys, and he won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. So it's never too old to do something new. Here is the quote Davis selected from the vast lore of George Burns. And I quote, look into the future because that is where you will spend the rest of your life. Dave Oxer, how are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm happy to be here with the with the three of you. We'll be talking to Lorraine in a minute. I love George Burns. I don't know anybody who didn't. Do you remember him from the George Burns and Gracie Allen show, Dave? Or are you too young you, for that? You know what? I'm a I'm a little young for that, but I'm a I'm a uh, I love I love comedy, love vaudeville. Uh, grew up in New York. My uh, actually my grandparents were neighbors and great grandparents were neighbors of George Burns, so I got a lot of stories. No. 
growing up, especially up in the Borscht Belt, which was up in the Catskills in New York. Of course, of so, course. Um, oh, that's you know, I, crazy. I, yep. I, I love comedy, and when I saw this quote, it jumped out, because uh, no matter where you are in any part of any business, even your personal life, right, you always want to look through the windshield to see where you're going, but you also want to look back to validate, right, and kind of like your, your uh, carpentry term, you know, measure twice, cut once. Same thing about the future. You know, it, it, we are in charge of our future. We're going to be there. We're all going to be there. So it always makes sense to, to kind of look into the future and, and really paint the picture of where you want to be. Thank you very much. Very apt. I think our quotes are all going to roll into each other in just a moment when we bring on Lorraine. How's, how's your wife's business, Dave? You want to tell everybody what that is? So my wife's business is doing well. It's uh, 100, uh, about 100 degrees here this morning so far in Scottsdale, Arizona, but it will warm up to about 113 degrees, which is a perfect business to be in in Arizona, and that is the frozen yogurt business. So Yay. I call my wife of uh, 29 years the queen of Froyo in Scottsdale, Arizona, <laughs> and she says hello, and she's doing great. Tell her I said hello, too. Nice to talk to you, Dave. Thanks for joining us. And let's bring on Lorraine. We've been intoning Lorraine Maurice all the way through. Lorraine is a senior director at SAP, but I love what she calls herself most a modern marketer. And Lorraine has picked a three-word quote, a quote, a very pithy one, from Peter F. Drucker. And Peter Drucker is Peter Ferdinand Drucker, who, well, he's been around uh, quite a few years. He was born in 1909 and lived till 2005. He was an Austrian-born American management consultant. And what's most interesting is that he invented the concept known as management by objectives and self-control, and he has been described as the founder of modern management. So there, and here's the quote, these three little words that pack a punch, what's measured improves. Lorraine, I think this quote inspired me to use the carpenter's rule. So there. So welcome back, Lorraine. It's your series. How have you been? I have been fabulous, and uh, I loved your carpenter analogy. It's perfect for our topic today. Thank you. Okay. Tell me about this quote from Drucker. What measure, what's, what, W-H-A-T apostrophe S, what's measured improves? What are we talking about here? Well, in order to track success, you need to be able to me- measure it. You have to have, you have to define it. You have to um, ensure what the, the quant, you have to quantify it. And then you have to be able to adjust it. So there is always a desired outcome. Anytime you execute or implement anything, and without clear objectives, management by objectives, um, you're stuck in a constant state of guessing. And so when you outline what you want to happen and the outcome, and you can measure against it, it takes all the guesswork away. And we want the guesswork to go away. Don't we want to keep everybody guessing, Lorraine? I'm only teasing you. Lorraine, we're talking today, uh, the great topic you said, which is measuring your success. So let's just, uh, let's just go around the circle here with you for a second. So new businesses, uh, as I mentioned a little bit sarcastically in my opening, well, if you don't have a digital strategy, you better get one now. If you're not part of the digital economy, you'd better join now. If you don't have a great website, you better do it tonight. So the question is, uh, how many small businesses realize that a way to measure what they're doing and the success, whether it's there right away or whether it's over time, that they have to measure it. Otherwise, they're just shooting in the dark. So do you think this is something they're aware of or is this breaking news, Lorraine? Well, I think it's a little bit of both uh, because I think that there's so many growing small businesses out there that some are a little bit of, you know, the, the early adopters and then we have some laggards. And, but well, here's what I think, is at the end of the day, all business is about revenue. 
And some of the laggards may be saying to themselves, you know, why is my website important and here to sell? But what everybody needs to realize is that with today's buyer's journey, the amount of research that's done online, the fact that that's where all of your kind of camaraderie and uh, peer-to-peer networking happens, that if your website isn't selling for you, you're not going to reach your revenue objective. So I would say that there's still a learning curve for many small businesses, but they need to adapt quickly. This isn't something they can lag behind on anymore. Their mm-hmm. website needs to be a selling tool, and they need to be able to measure it in order to meet their revenue outcome. Thank you, Lorraine. That's exactly what I was looking for. Drawer, I'm going to let you comment on that before we go to what's in your cup today, and Dave as well. Drawer, you agree with Lorraine's assessment of it's some no and some don't know. It's breaking news for some, and there still might be some not quite ready. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's uh, the case. I think there's so many different things as well that you can measure that it, uh, it can be confusing to determine what is it that you should be measuring. Uh, there's also, you know, the way that uh, the, the services that you use on a website or the services that you use for advertising and, and to get online visibility uh, charge in different types of ways. And, you know, you, you have to uh, invest some time in this to understand what it is that makes a difference to you as a business and not just, uh, you know, happens to be a way that somebody is charging you for services. Ah, very interesting. And of course, that brings up the quote drawer, not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that can be counted counts, right? That's Absolutely. what we're talking about. And that I Absolutely. think that's still still an Einstein quote. No, you know, nine, nine Albert Einstein quotes that are totally fake. Well, that wasn't one of his, but it sounds good. Okay, Dave Oxer, I just want to get you to weigh in on this before we find out what you're all drinking. Dave, thoughts? Thanks, Bonnie. And I, I think Lorraine and Dora spot on. One of my favorite lines is, if you don't know where you've been, how do you know where you're going, right? And I think mm-hmm. analytics plays into that. You've got, and any part of your life, but more importantly in business, you've got to have a good understanding of the business, where it sits, how profitable it is, you know, what works, what doesn't work, because if you don't, and you don't have a handle on the business, you can continually do the same thing, which is a, effectively a going out of business strategy. Ah, that's not where we want to be unless it's being sold for uber bucks to a big company, right? That's your exit Correct. strategy, not you're going out of business. It should be letting somebody else take over the business because it's so wonderful. Thank you all. Drawer or back, I'm going to ask you where you're calling from today and what are you drinking right now if it's interesting? And if not, tell us what you'd like to drink later after the show, please. Uh, well, I'm in uh, Toronto, and uh, what I'm drinking right now is uh, is water, so that's not that interesting. But uh, after the show, um, I really love uh, different types of coffee, and I love coffee that's strong and also has an aroma. So what I'll be drinking after the show is some Lavazza Colita Oro coffee, which is a type of bean that has a great aroma and a very strong taste. And I love to make that uh, by grinding the beans and making it in a French press and then drinking it with a bit of Splenda, just so I don't take too many calories. Oh, I like that. You know something, Drawer? I haven't used my Nespresso in a while. I just got out of the habit of making coffee every day. I'm not that big a coffee drinker, but I enjoy it. I made a cup the other day, and I had to leave. I I work from a home office. I had to leave for a couple of hours and came back, and Drawer, the aroma of the coffee 
when I came back and opened the door was just lovely. So I got you on that one. Absolutely. I just said, wow, you got to you just run the coffee for goodness sake. You don't even have to drink it. Just put that into the atmosphere. Thank you, Drawer, for the good thoughts there. Dave Oxer, where are you? Are you drinking something that's a, uh, what's the fro? What did you say? Frozy? Froyo. Are you drinking a Froyo drink today? I am not, but if you remember last month, I was a fan of Soda Stream and my grapefruits off my grapefruit tree. Well, being 115, I'm not going out today, but I am using my Soda Stream. I've got chia seeds, pineapple, and blackberries muddled together and put in my water. So that's what I'm drinking today. Wow, that's interesting. I like that word muddle. Do you use one of those uh, wooden, it's like the mortar and pestle, and you muddle it with this wooden thing that's kind of curved at the bottom? Am I right? No, I just use a spoon. (laughs) (laughs) I had this picture of some kind of medieval thing, and you're you're using it, and you're just muddling the fruit. Okay, well, I'll get off that one. Thank you very much. Lorraine, where are you, and what are you drinking today? I am drinking what I call a skinny vanilla latte. There's a coffee franchise that makes one. However, I make mine at home um, with a little uh, sugar-free um, vanilla flavoring, uh, a Splenda, as Laura mentioned, a, a little uh, low-fat milk, and some nice, strong coffee. It is my afternoon pick-me-up as well as my afternoon sweet for after lunchtime. Sounds delicious. 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 I tried to make a frozen cappuccino with some success, actually. I had one at Olive Garden. I saw Carol King musical Beautiful on Broadway last Sunday and stopped in right across the street from the, the tickets booth, if anybody knows Times Square, and had a lovely lunch with a friend at, at Olive Garden. And I couldn't help but order the frozen cappuccino, so I figured I'd make it at home. And it worked pretty well. A little bit of vanilla ice cream, just a little 1% milk, some leftover coffee, nice and cold, a little squeeze of a agave syrup, a nice straw, mush some ice cream in there, not too much, and it was delicious. So I had my first frozen cappuccino made at home. It's sometimes a lot of fun to do that. Thank you, all three of you. We're going to take a quick break because you've been working so hard. Our topic today is website analytics for small businesses, medium businesses. Oh, any business can listen up. We have three very interesting panelists. They're very smart and savvy, and this is their wheelhouse. We're talking to Dror Orbach of Alumiti. We'll find out a little about his company. When we come back, Dave Oxer, our consultant, and Lorraine Maurice, our modern marketer. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, so here's my message to you. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Michael, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers explores the impact of changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. 
Think Big, Work Small, presented by SAP, every Thursday on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. We absolutely are doing that, and we're back. I'm speaking today with Dror Orbach at the Lumiti and Dave Oxer at Dave Oxer, I think, and Lorraine Maurice at SAP. And our topic today is website analytics measuring your success. Focused on SME, small to mid-sized businesses, but anybody can benefit from this interesting conversation. So Dror Orbach has agreed to open the roundtable with me, and I'm looking at his notes, and let's see where we're going to start. We're going to spin the wheel here. Okay, here's a great topic. Targeting based on demographics is important, but Drawer adds targeting based on intent is equally as important. Drawer sounds interesting. Please tell us more. Okay, well, uh, everybody who's tried to advertise understands that, you know, you, you are targeting a specific demographic. So there are particular types of people who you think are more uh, prone to be interested or have a need for whatever you're selling. And, um, and, and that's the demographic you want to target. Um, the, the problem is that you really want to be able to target them at the time when they have an intent to buy. And if you don't know what their intent is, or you don't target the particular intent, you may get a whole um, a host of people who are the correct demographic, but are, are not, you know, don't have any uh, intention of, of thinking about buying something right now or in the near term. And so your advertising dollars or your marketing dollars for that particular campaign, whatever you're, you're spending them on, uh, are not spent in an effective or efficient way. And I just want to give you an example because the content mm-hmm. of your website or the content of your ad are really important to uh, understand. You know, they really speak to a particular intent or, or not. So if we have an ad that's targeted at business owners because we, uh, Illumity as a business, uh, sells software for managing businesses, and then we uh, do a project to implement that software with our customers. Um, so our customers are businesses. So if we were to target business owners with an ad that says five ways to improve your business results, that's the ad, uh, you know, click here to see uh, a document about it, click here to see what the five things are, um, mm-hmm. that will probably attract some business owners who are keen to keep abreast of new ideas and innovation. They might, maybe we have a, a new idea that they hadn't thought about or haven't heard before, and they want to see what we have to say about this. But they don't necessarily have any buying intent at all. Um, however, if the same ad was, was worded in a way that said uh, the title was Five Reasons to Move to a New ERP System, well, this mm-hmm. happens to be what we actually sell and implement. So we would get far fewer people who would be interested in that and click on that ad. But the ones who do, um, we're pretty sure that they have a much keener interest in that specific topic and what we're selling than uh, the, the people who would click on the previous ad. So they're all the same demographic. But a higher percentage of those who download the article or look at what we said there may actually have an interest in exploring a potential purchase. 
So we're talking about quality over quantity. I think that's what I heard you say. Is that right, Tor? Uh, the, yes, that's right. And, and you know, well, I'll give you a specific uh, uh, mm-hmm. proof point to that. Uh, yeah. In our own business, we've been doing, obviously, we've been uh, running campaigns for many years. And um, when we compared our Google AdWords campaigns with LinkedIn campaigns, there was a huge difference. Uh, about five times the uh, uh, five times better results in terms of the number of people who um, you know who who downloaded an article, for example. So they expressed an intent to consider something uh, five times more than on LinkedIn than on AdWords. And and the reason wasn't that uh, we couldn't get the audience. The reason was that the audience was extremely targeted. So, yeah, the demographic is very important because on LinkedIn you can target it to specific industries, uh, levels of uh, roles and and all that because it's a a work-related type of site or a career-related type of site. Uh, So part part of it is that. And the other part is uh, what we can say in the ad. Very interesting. I appreciate it. I think you just wove in your discussion, a little bit of information about your company into that first remark. Very nicely done. Thank you, Drawer. Dave Oxer, love to get your point of view, talking about quality versus quantity in terms of leads and targeting not just the demographic where you think your prospects and customers are, but targeting the intention of what do they really want to hear and want to buy. Dave, what are your thoughts? Great. Thanks, Bonnie. And I wanted to echo uh, Dor's comment, but I wanted to add something, too, which I think mm-hmm. is really important, and that is even though a customer may not be a potential buyer 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, if they're hitting your website, look and make sure that they're also looking for information. Very important because in some instances, certainly in the corporate world and to a lesser extent in the SMB world, they could be looking about your company or your company's capabilities because they may not have budget now, but they may have a plan in the next quarter, the next year. They may have an acquisition strategy where they're looking at your services. And we want to disqualify them because they're not actually a buyer that day, but they could be a potential buyer. And I know that from business and from a lot of the businesses that I talk to, many customers are doing their research on that website and you may not even know they're a buyer. Matter of fact, if your content isn't correct or isn't accurate or doesn't reflect the value prop you have, you may completely disqualify that can- that potential candidate, that potential customer, because they can't even see the right information. So I think that there's a fine line between what you share and who's a customer and who's a prospect and what the buying cycle is, especially in any long cycle, whether it be software, whether it be hardware, whether it be capital equipment purchases, these are long decisions, and oftentimes the decision isn't a 30, 60, 90-day decision. It can be, but a lot of times it can't. So you kind of got to look at the whole demographics, and the one thing that's nice in analytics is that many times you can pull up email addresses and do some reverse lookups to find out really who is hitting your website and what type of information they're looking for by the pages they go to. Very interesting. Thank you. And we're going to get down to the, the brass tacks here soon on, on what kind of analytics do people really need, what's what's the right thing to count, and what shouldn't 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 be counted. Lorraine, love to have your 10 cents or dollar, whatever you want to spend on what we're talking about. Thoughts? Yeah, I just want to say that I, I'm going to go back to a term you'll hear most of us talk about, and this is this online buyer's journey. And understanding your audience and intent is crucial. 
And the only way to do that is to, is to watch the data and watch what I'll call it a digital body language of your customer or potential customer. And to do this and to track and report on where they're going and what's the most effective use of your marketing, your salespeople, you know, your operational intent is crucial in order to drive revenue and drive profitable revenue. So uh, I agree with my two panelists that, you know, you need to understand the data, you need to understand your audience, and you need to understand the segmentation. And data-driven marketing is the way it gets you there. You said digital body language. Was that what you said, Lorraine? I want to tweet that. Is that a Lorraine Maurice? Isn't that great? Is that a Lorraine Maurice-ism? Are we stealing it. I, I think you should. Is that something we're going to coin and trademark and copyright for you, Lorraine? Oh, I have to tell you, I think it's out there um, already. And it started about, I would say, about six years ago when marketing automation and the online buying uh, statistics uh, and the way buyers bought started to change from the more personal to the more online research um, and looking for information. And instead of sitting across the table for somebody at like your local chamber of commerce meeting or mm-hmm. at a business meeting and seeing whether they shrugged, whether they put their hands across their chest, whether they rolled their eyes, you have yeah. to find those buying cues somewhere else. And that's where they coined the phrase, the digital buying language. How did you look for your customer's cues based on the research and information they were sourcing? Clever, and I have to tell Dave, who is is uh, very excited about this. Digital body language is the name of a book by Stephen Woods, W O O D S. I've got it on Amazon here. Marketing is undergoing a major shift brought on by the change in the way people find and consume information. I think that says it all. It won a no, I didn't win an award. It was all right. Let's see, uh, blah blah blah. I'm looking for the year when it was published. I can't find it, but it's here on Amazon, so you can take a look. Okay. I have the Perfect. ISDN if you want. So, yeah. Oh, Lorraine, we almost gave you uh, credit for that one. Oh, very, I was very nice. that clever. <laughs> I know. It's copyrighted. There's a preview, but I'm not getting too far. I'm not seeing so much of it. So, uh, I, we love the way you used it. So, I probably will put a, a shout-out to Stephen Woods in the, the Twitter later. So, Drawer, I'm going to circle back to you because you started this good conversation. So, why don't you wrap it up, and then I will find something in Dave Oster's notes, okay? Sure. Um, so uh, I think that the what what all what everybody said and what Lorraine just said was uh, is really um, important and uh, to gauge that uh, to gauge that type of intent, you also want to see what kind of experience you can provide. And what I mean here is Lorraine mentioned that uh, the, the journey of the buyer is much longer now before they even talk to anybody or before they express an intent explicitly. So the more you can provide on your website that can give that buyer uh, part of the experience of what it would be like to, to work with you, to use your product or service, uh, without them having to actively speak to a person or uh, give you their details so that you know that they, you know, they may be interested in buying and your salespeople can call them and, and bug them, uh, the more they can get a feel for that experience earlier, um, the, the more they learn about uh, what it is that, that, you're, what, that you're about, and they, it might interest them. And if they're interested and if there's a good match, then they may become a buyer. Thank you very much. All good information. Appreciate it, Drawer. And let's move over to Dave Oxer around the panel, around the table. Dave, 
Looking at your notes here, a lot of interesting topics. Here's one I would like to talk about, and I'll call it the next step. You say web analytics is data that needs to be gathered, understood, and have an action plan to act upon. What is the desired outcome you want of the eyeballs viewing your site? Why are they there? What are they looking for? Do they have a problem? Are they just looking for your name and address? Do they want to stop by? Do they just want to see, are they your competition? So, Dave, let's focus, if you don't mind, on the action plan. So who does this? Is this the person who sets up the analytics? Is this the, the CEO, the CMO, when you put your analytics in place? How do you have a plan for what you want to do next? What's your thought? And then we'll go around the table. Yeah, you know, Bonnie, I'm going to take one step back and sure. put it out there that anybody that's got, whether you're using a point-of-sale system or you're using some ordering tool using some cloud application tool, there are reports that you could pull out of a system. And I would argue that we've been doing, we've been doing reporting for decades. Analytics really is the focus and study of data, right? So anybody that's pulling a report, whether it's the marketing person that's pulling a report, how many people opened your web page, it's the manufacturing uh, or delivery person that's saying, how many units did I ship? the ordering person, uh, any of those people uh, that pull reports to look and order from or look at back inventory in those cases are doing analytics. They're just not looking at the data to say, hey, what does it look like day over day, year over year, month over month? Do I look at the, do I look at the data daily, weekly, monthly? What's my cadence? And when I get my cadence, what do I do with that data? So as an example, my wife runs a small business, so I like to say I'm the COO, CMO, CIO, and janitor of that business while I do my <laughs> day job. But it's important because the business that she runs, we don't, run out of, don't want to run out of cups, don't want to run out of spoons. But in our area, they're building a lot of new homes. They're putting in 400 new homes in our, in our uh, area. So the question I have is, how is that going to impact my sales over the next quarter, month, year, etc.? So I look at that data, and I think it's very important for anybody that's running a business, carefully look at the data you get and analyze, and anybody can do it. Look and see where you are and what you're doing, and whether or not that number's going up, that number's going down, and it's when you order, when you purchase, when you update your website, how you change your pricing as a perfect example. Uh, I think that's really important uh, that anybody can do it. And when you get a hold of the business in your particular discipline, it's very easy because you're an expert. You have that intellectual property. Uh, the other thing that I think is really important and is uh, probably look at, compare the analytics, compare your business to your competition. So that's something that I do is that I go out to my competitor's website and I use that analytics and I do mm -hmm. analytics to get their business against my business. So, Buddy, I'm not sure that I completely answered the question, but I think the important thing to note is that anybody that's pulling a report, anybody that could see sales data, anybody that could see ship data, if you're getting a point-of-sale report, Look at that information and try and rationalize that information on a daily, weekly, monthly, year-over-year year even um, capacity and, and get a good handle on your business. And then look at the surrounding environment and say, am I growing? Is my competition increasing? Is my competition decreasing? Do I know who my competition is and have I visited their website and their portal to see? Mm -hmm. 
That was my thought. Thank you. I was interested also in the action plan. What do you do with it? Do you have a salesperson call them? Do you engage them on social media? Do you send them a flyer or brochure? Do you do it on email? Do you do it on snail mail? What's the next step? You want to just give us a quick yeah. uh, view so on we, that, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. So the answer is is yes. D all of the above. <laughs> right. Uh, it's important to get when you get somebody that hits your your website or your portal. You want to make sure you interact with them. And to me, it's about, I call it a lead progression or demand generation or nurture. Depends upon what question they asked and how they asked it. So when you want to prospect to a customer, you do it in many different ways. You do it through, through email. You do it through telemarketing. And you do it through snail mail if you have that information. So the action plan really is, what page did they hit? Did they look at your pricing page? Did they look at your, your uh, feature function page? Did they actually try and look at your contact information, your, your investor relations section? So that information needs to be gathered and sent to the appropriate departments. And most folks usually will do one of two things. They'll either call out, and if they don't have that information, they'll uh, send out an email. But I invite everybody to make sure when you, on your portal you have a contact me page and it's got a phone number and, and uh, an email address. Because all you're doing is you're building this database of prospects that are coming to you and you know it's a lot cheaper to have a prospect come to you than you try and find a prospect. This is what you're doing. You're, you're gathering sales leads. So make sure you have that right vehicle to interact with them. Thank you very much, Lorraine. Let's get your two cents on this. Thoughts on the action plan or, oh, I don't know, any of the above. We covered a lot of territory with Dave here. Go ahead, Lorraine. Well, I'm going to bring you back, Dave's comments and our earlier comments on, you know, understanding your audience and, and the target segments. And buyers, and, and Dave started going through it when he talked about the sales funnel and, and looking at how to reach your audience through different marketing tools. But the buyer buys differently today. And if you look at it on a linear scale, which really it isn't, because I view it as a pretzel where they're like, they go here, they go there. But it, it comes down to a few things, creating awareness, um, being there if they have an interest, being there if they're, you know, they're ready to make, to consider your service and analytics and in, in implementing the tools available allows you to understand your audience and then it allows you to provide the right content and information in the right places to capture that, to drive a sale, to drive revenue. So in my opinion, it comes down to two things. It comes down to revenue, which is important to all of us, and then customer service, which is equally as important because that not only drives revenue, but it continues your revenue stream. So executing the tools, the analytics, making sure your content is right, making sure your audience segmentation is right, all comes from an analytics environment. And again, measuring, understanding, and knowing um, is critical to business in today's world. Thank you, Lorraine. Drawer or back at Alumiti, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, please. So I think there are two main uh, things that were two main themes that were touched upon. One was the use of analytics, and uh, um, Dave mentioned the use of analytics that are comparative to be able to compare against your competition. Uh, the other one was about the length of the journey and how many times you actually touch this uh, same person until, you know, to take them through that buyer's journey. So uh, coming back to the, the analytics, 
it can be really difficult to get these types of, uh, of comparative benchmarking figures. Um, you can measure what's going on on your own website. Obviously, you're not privy to the information about what's going on uh, on the competitor website uh, other than the public information that they present through their website and the information that uh, may be gathered by some services who are able to, to look at how many people go to that site and so on. So it's well worth um, considering buying some of that information because developing it is either very difficult or impossible in some cases about things that are not your own business. And uh, it is important to have that benchmarking, and I completely agree with that because every business and every industry are different. And, uh, you, you know, you don't have one set of metrics that uh, means you're, you're either good or bad uh, that, uh, that go across the board. Uh, the other thing that was mentioned was the length of the journey and the fact that there are multiple touch points with the same person. And that's absolutely true. They've also mentioned that maybe they don't have an intent to buy right now, but they may develop that intent over the course of uh, a couple of years. Uh, once we have somebody, for example, who downloads a document from our website because, or a presentation because they may be interested, or they uh, attend a webinar uh, that we do because they're interested in that topic, we don't just leave it at that if they're not in a place where they want to buy right now. It makes sense to then keep, uh, uh, keep communicating with them, uh, not too frequently, not to bombard them, but with information that we think might be relevant for them to keep uh, some sort of momentum, even if it's on a very small kind of uh, a, a back burner, a, a small fire, but to keep the momentum going so that you can identify when that intent changes and you can keep them engaged and knowing how you're developing in your own business uh, so that they are interested and they consider you when, they, when comes the time to, to make a consideration uh, for them. Thank you very much, Dora. Good observations. Dave, I'm going to let you briefly, yeah, I, we're almost ready for our predictions round. I want to hit a couple points from Lorraine's notes. Dave, anything you want to add to wrap this one up? Yeah, I would just uh, want to comment very quickly. The, the thing that keeps a lot of folks up at night, I know it keeps me up at night, is how do you drive people to your web page? How does that mm -hmm. even happen? So I would say look at sites like Yelp. Look at sites, business, look at your competitive sites out there. Look at their press releases. Look at their customer testimonials, right? Uh, and do that competition, do that competitive analysis that way. Uh, you might not get it right up front, but certainly, if you want to gain customers, look at your competitors' websites, look at what Yelp people say about, about other customers, and just try and find and do some prospecting that way. So for me, it's all about how do I drive traffic to the website, because that's how you do analytics off the website. It isn't easy, but you've got to figure out a methodology and a strategy to do that. Thank you. It sounds like this topic is much more than we can handle in one hour, and I appreciate that. Lorraine, let's talk about time. We haven't talked about expense, but let's talk about time. You say the best thing about utilizing web analytics is the time. It takes about 30 minutes for you to review each report and create a list of focus areas. It's well worth the time. Lorraine, why don't you expand this a little bit? Let's see. We have about four minutes till we go to crystal ball prediction. So take it anywhere you want it to go, Lorraine. So I'll take time in two ways. One, obviously, the health of your business is really a, a fundamental to the success, success of your business. So understanding the measurements, which is really whether you're profitable, not profitable, um, whether you're consistently selling to new customers versus 
reselling to existing customers, those all come into play. And we could go into other measurements like, you know, the time frames in which you're, you're most busy at your location or, you know, the traffic on your website based on a particular segment. So it's important really in managing your business and to understand, you know, how to keep your business profitable and more importantly, the growth and, and success of your business moving forward. Analytics in this changing world, which is where we started conversation, it's the, we're changing so fast. And if you're not on top of the daily state of your business, you're going to be left behind versus choosing whether to, you know, move out, move forward, move to the side um, under, by understanding your business needs. The other place time comes into impact, I think it's McKenzie, um, who's a, you know, a large consultant, says that, you know, by understanding your marketing analytics, you can save 15 to 20% in time and expenses by knowing where to focus your energies. And I think in a small business where we don't have large marketing departments, it becomes crucial to making sure that any energies and resources you have are focused on your priorities and not and, and the priorities that are making you successful and not just what you think is making you successful. Mm, not just what you think. I think that's the key here. You can't do this by intuition in the seat of your pants or your digital pants, can you, Lorraine? Exactly. Okay, I'm going to circle around very quickly. Oh, we've got two I, minutes till predictions. I was just going to say, I think there's, yep. if you don't mind, I was just going to share with you this yeah. quick quote that um, I had that I thought was funny. It's an American uh, statistic statistician named W. Edward Deming, and he famously said, in God we trust, all others must bring data. And that, uh, for those yeah, fabulous quote. Quotes. That's one of my favorites, and I think we've had it here on the uh, on the show a couple of times on, on some of our other series. That's a great one, Lorraine. I'm going to give uh, Dror just one second or 30 seconds to comment on what Lorraine said. Any thoughts about the time it takes, Dror? Yeah, well, absolutely. Touching on the last thing Lorraine uh, uh, said, which was, you know, you want to measure something that makes a difference. And um, if you go and buy advertising, for example, you may measure clicks on an ad. Well, that in itself is important, but it doesn't really make the difference. What makes the difference is if the, uh, uh, the person progressed along that buying cycle, which is a long cycle, perhaps. For instance, if they didn't just click on the ad, but they also took the action we asked them to take once they reached what's called the landing page from that ad. So if we asked them, if we offered them a webinar, we offered them a document, we offered them some sort of interaction, that they actually made that interaction or they made the decision to do it is what makes a difference and moves them along the cycle as opposed to merely clicking the ad. Now, we're going to pay for every one of the ones who did click the ad. And that's where the, uh, you know, trying to get both the right demographic and intent are important. But we, when we look at different ways of reaching people, some of which are not even digital, they may be in events, they may be uh, call, you know, cold calling, there, there are various ways of reaching potential buyers. When we look at different campaigns like that, um, we look at the cost for a qualified lead. So how long, uh, what is the cost we spend over time to reach that point where this person is a person who really has an intent to buy and we have a real chance to talk to them about something that they may wish to buy. And that's how we yep. eventually compare all the different ways that we might uh, spend that, that limited amount of money that we have for this. Thank you, Dror. Dror, I'm going to 
ask you to take a look in the crystal ball at Elamidi and take a look and see how far in the future you would like to predict what will change about this topic. And again, reminder, we're talking about website analytics, measuring your success with a specific focus on SME, startups, any kind of small to mid-sized business that may not quite get it yet. What do they need to do? So what will change, let's say 2020 or any time before that? Let's keep it near term. Drorp, I'm going to give you 60 seconds for your prediction. Please go. Sure. So I, I want to touch on three things in these 60 seconds. I think that we're going to see the same principles apply. So the principles that we've been speaking about are not going to change. What we'll see is technology enabling us to have a better integrated view of the results and the metrics that we want to measure across different channels and and marketing tactics. So that's one point. Uh, I think we will have better automated tools to allow us to visualize campaign performance so that we can actually uh, see what it looks like, but also analyze it, and most importantly, actually providing some automated recommendations that enable the marketing team to make better decisions in real time. This issue of being able to do the business analytics, to look at the, 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 the data and make automated recommendations is going to be a, a change factor uh, and an enabler in the future. And the last point is that I think these capabilities that are enabled by technology they're going to be more affordable and more accessible to businesses and organizations that can't really afford to acquire them today. So it's going to push the bar even higher on what it takes to be competitive in the market. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And Dave Oxer, I can give you 60 seconds as well. Go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. I think most importantly, you know, analytics is making us smarter it's built into everything. It's pervasive. It's pervasive in software. It's pervasive in automated automation in cars where they, you know, lane departure and they brake for you, turn for you, etc. That's analytics. That car is looking to see what you're doing. So, and it's going to protect you. So when I think about analytics, it's pervasive. And what that does at the end of the day, I believe it's about speed and agility. It's about making decisions quickly and it's making a flexible decision so you don't have to have this long, drawn-out process. Uh, I will say one thing, though. When you talk about analytics, you should trust but absolutely verify because at the end of the day, you know your business better than some algorithm that's written from a program. So when when I trust my car is going to break in front of me, my foot's still over the brake, I'm trusting but I'm verifying, right? So that's really important. There's no replacement for a human decision, a human, uh, human interaction. And that goes back to my opening quote, doesn't it? Measure twice, cut once, something like that, Dave. I think exactly. you, I think you drew the circle for me. Lorraine, I can give you all oh, a whole 60 seconds for your predictions. Go ahead, Lorraine Maurice. Terrific, because my two co-panelists really shared it all. The only thing I would add to that is that understanding analytics um, allows you to exploit growth opportunities, be innovative, And I go back to the two mantras I've had this session, which is if it's all about the revenue and revenue has to do with customers, then you have to understand what's happening in your business on a variety of levels. And the technology is there to help you do it, especially, as Dave said, with the human touch, if you know your business. Thank you very much. Don't forget the human touch. We have been touched by three very smart humans here on the show today. We've had Dror Orbach from Illumiti, I-L-L-U-M-I-T-I, Dave Oxer from Dave Oxer, and Lorraine Maurice from SAP. Good conversation talking about website analytics. Lorraine, what's coming up in two weeks? I don't usually ask you this, but no pressure. Have you got a topic picked for two weeks from today for your next live we show? We do. 
We do. It's about human capital in social and understanding oh. how the how how the brand works and how uh, your people, your employees, and and your business brand really impact um, what's happening in the marketplace. I can't wait to get the notes and find out the lineup. You'll be on that show, won't you, Lorraine? I will be there. I wouldn't miss it. And a little birdie tells me Lorraine might be renewing this series for the entire year of 2017. I cannot wait. Lorraine, thank you for putting together such an interesting panel. Draw or back. You were wonderful. Dave Oxer, always a pleasure. And Lorraine, what can I say? Thank you to Michael and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.